of you remember the Andy Griffith show? Let me see here. Now, I know it's telling her age somewhat, but, or maybe some of you got the reruns of that, and you know, but uh, how many of you really liked it, you know? How many of you know there was something really good in every one of those, very healthy, wholesome uh, lesson that was learned, okay? And I, I want to share one with you. I've shared this before. It's been a while back, but I want to share this one again, because so it, it, it just really touched my heart. And I, I don't know how many times I've seen this, and, I, every time, and I've watched it three or four times, and every time I did, it's just like, man, I really like that, okay? And it just tells you about this, you know, something there that, that we need to learn, something, a lesson that we need to glean. And on the Andy Griffith Show, one of the ep- episodes was Man in a Hurry. Anybody remember that? Man in a Hurry? Anybody remember that? Well, Malcolm Tucker is a wealthy businessman from Charlotte, and one Sunday afternoon, he happened to have a car trouble a couple miles outside of Mayberry, and Malcolm walked the rest of the way to the town to meet Andy coming out of Sunday morning worship, and Andy offers some assistance to Malcolm, but warns that it is nearly impossible to get anything done on a Sunday morning in Mayberry. Malcolm begins to lose patience when Wally, the filling station owner, refuses to fix his car because it was his policy not to work on Sunday, which is not bad. Furthermore, Malcolm is dumbfounded when he learns that he can't even use the telephone because of the elderly uh, Mindenbright sisters use the party line to visit on Sunday afternoon since they are unable to get around very well. And then, back at the Taylor's house, things get much worse, don't get any better for Malcolm. He, he explodes in a tirade, screaming that the citizens of Mayberry are living in another world, and this is the 20th century, and they need to, to come up to the 20th century. And, and uh, the whole world is living in, in a, 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 you know, a space age, and the town of Mayberry is down because of two older ladies' uh, uh, feet uh, fall asleep or, or they're on the telephone. And out on the front porch, Malcolm actually begins to relax as Barney and Andy begins to sing the old spiritual Church in the Wildwood. But this calm is short-lived when Gomer informs Malcolm that his cousin Goober has offered to fix the car. And later, when Gomer returns with the car, Malcolm is surprised that there's no charge for the repair since it was just a clogged fuel line. And Goober actually considered this an honor to work on such a fine automobile. You remember that? Yeah. As Mr. Tucker prepares to leave, he stops and, and, and contemplates the events of the afternoon as well as the return of his activities of his hectic life. And then Malcolm realizes that the very characteristics of Mayberry lie that initially frustrated him so much are in fact the priorities he needs to establish in his own life. So he decides to put his business on hold and he stays another night in Mayberry. Now, the lesson learned. I think the reason the episode is so popular is that we can all see ourselves in Malcolm Tucker. Somebody say amen Amen. or oh me. We can all get caught up in our daily activities to the extent that we are blinded. We're blinded by everything else going on around us. And when things don't go our way, we explode. One man said, life is what happens while you are busy making other plans. The next, thing, the next time, rather, that something unexpected or bad happens, not but if, when it happens, may our trials make us stronger in our faith. Somebody say amen to that. And with that in mind, today we're going to continue the message that we had last week. 
and, and we're going to put a part two to it, blessings when we uh, wait on God, okay? And uh, our inability, we talked about last week, and I'm going to get just, just about two minutes. Our inability to wait is the cause of so many problems in our lives. We just can't wait. We're in such a hurry, just like this Malcolm was here. Our inability to de- de- delay gratification is a cause uh, of many uh, financial problems. We get in a hurry. Matter of fact, our country delaying, you know, things, buying things on credit and money that we don't have to impress people that we don't know. Come on, somebody. So many social problems, even diseases, come from our inability to to delay sexual gratification until marriage. But waiting is as much as faith as taking the initiative, and that's what we said last week. Can you say amen again to that? Now today, you know, well, let me just, let me go on just about another minute. Five, we talked about five things you need to remember in the waiting room of God. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not in the waiting room of God this morning, you will be in the waiting room of God. Somebody say amen. How many of you know that he's the great physician and sometimes we have to go to that great physician and we have to sit in the waiting room before we get to the great physician? You have to understand that. So there, there's five things we talked about. There's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. You may plant something, you may plant a prayer, but you know, like, you know, it may take some time before that it, it, it comes to fruition. There's an unseen battle going on, number two. Number three, God is preparing me for his blessings. Number four, I'm in good company when waiting on God because others do it and, did in Hebrews chapter 11, the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame uh, chapter there. And number five, God is always keeps his promises. How many of you believe that he does? Today's message, four things you need to do when you're in the waiting room of God. So there's things that we need to do in the waiting room of God. Four things else I need to add on to that. To help you remember this message, we're going to put it in the acrostic, okay? And in the acrostic, W-A-I-T, wait, it's going to be four points. The W in the acrostic, write this down, is write down the lessons I'm learning. You need to write down the lessons that you're learning. Now, this is extremely important. Why? It builds your faith. It's extremely important in building your faith. When you're in the waiting room, the first thing you do is you need to write something down. Because I, and we're, and we're going we're gonna to unravel this a little bit and, 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 and un, un, unpack this and let you see some things that you need to see. And, and as you do, you need to write them down. How many of you know that we forget things a lot? Can you say amen? How many of you know it doesn't matter? It doesn't mean you, know, you can be 8 or 80. How many of you know we forget things? Now, I know the older we get, it's a little, even harder. So you nef- definitely need to use that pen. I'm writing things down all the time. My, my problem is I forget where I put them. Don't laugh at me because you do it too. When you're in the waiting room of God, the first thing you do is you write things down that you're learning because waiting is always the season of listening. Everybody say listening. You need to listen to what God is trying to say to you. And waiting is always the season of learning. So when we're in that waiting room, you're listening and you're learning, then you need to write it down because God is speaking to you. God is trying to get your attention. God has things to teach you. And, and, and in that time before he answers your prayer. Can I get a witness this morning? 
He's going to answer your prayer, but there's some things that he wants to talk to you about. God has some things he wants you to learn before the seeds begin to sprout. He wants you to to teach you some things because he's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. Come on, somebody. Because we want things and we want it right now. And God says, okay, you're going to get it, but you're not going to get it right now. You're going to get it on my time. Come on, somebody. So he's more interested in, you know, your character than he is your comfort. But you will forget the lessons that you learn in the waiting room of of life if you don't write them down. And you know what happens when you don't write them down. You forget them. That's right. And and you know what happens when you forget them. You have to go through it again. Somebody say amen. So you haven't learned the lesson. That's no fun. As a matter of fact, it's unnecessary pain. So uh, some of you have been going through the same uh, pain eight or nine times. You know, it's something that you're just constantly going through, okay? So why don't you just begin to write down the lessons, and God's trying to teach you some things. God's trying to help you in your way, uh, you know, of faith that, that you can begin to trust him and believe in him and all that. Let's look at some of the things. We talked about in the Old Testament, it, it was for our understanding and examples uh, that we can learn from. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt across the wilderness into the promised land. Now, it should have taken him a few weeks, but how many of you know it took him 40 years? You say, well, why did it take him so long? Why? Because they did not learn the lesson. You know, God was giving them one test after another, and they were failing the test and failing the test and failing the test. He kept giving them tests. Now, let me just say this. I'm of the old school. I believe if you're in the fifth grade, you need to test out before you go to the sixth grade. Somebody say amen. I know today sometimes they're just pushing kids on through, and I tell you what, that's, I think that's the worst thing in the world that you could do. They need to pass. Come on, somebody, that they can be prepared for life because that's what we need to be prepared for. And in our faith life is the same way because, let me just say this, there are seven tests, and every time that they failed in the wilderness, that waiting in the wilderness, there was a purpose, and God was trying to teach them something and with their character, and they failed again. And some of us right now, I believe, are in the waiting room of life. I believe that we're in God's waiting room right now. Some of you are there right now. I can sense that in my bones that some of you are in that waiting room and you're wondering what to do. And I'm saying the first thing you need to do, you need to write down some of the lessons that you're learning. If you believe that, say amen. You can't get to the promised land without going through the desert and through the wilderness. You got to go through the waiting period. Now listen to this. Let me give you the scripture and your notes there this morning. Numbers 32.2. It says, at the Lord's direction, Moses, now notice God commands him to do this. He commands Moses to do this. It's not something like, oh, Moses, this would be a good suggestion. No, he commanded him to do this. Notice what he said. Notice what he said. He said, keep a written record of your progress. Keep a written record of your progress. It's very important. Now, are you keeping a written record of your progress in your Christian life? Are you writing things down? Do you keep a journal? I think it would be good if you would do that. That's the reason I give the handouts because they say that, you know, some 70 to 75 percent of what you learn in, in, a, in a worship service, you forget by the time you get to the parking lot. Can you, can you imagine that? I mean, all this work, all the things that we do, and all, it's like, oh man, I felt so good in church, but boy, when I come out here, I'm not feeling good. That's because you need to take that with you. Somebody say amen. And the only way you're going to take it with you is when you write things down, and because we forget things. That's the reason God says, remember. Why? Because we forget. If you believe that, say amen. So I'm talking now when we're talking about keeping a journal, I'm not talking about a diary, okay? A journal is different than a diary. A diary is things that you do. Like today I broke a nail. 
Really? You know, someone told me that said, you know what, I, I, I don't get on Facebook. Yeah, you, know, so, you know, people put on there, I broke a nail today. Really? You did? Oh, my. You broke a nail. A journal. Everybody say a journal. A journal, you don't write down what you do. A journal, you write down lessons that you learn in life. And I, I think we need, there, there's, a, there's a vast difference there. And I need, a diary is about events. A journal is about lessons that you learn. What are you learning in the waiting room of God? When you're there and God's trying to deal with you. And if you went and you've made a, a mess or something over here. Folks, if you don't learn from that, how many of you know you're going to make a mess again? You're going to re- you recreate history again if you don't learn from history. Somebody say amen. That's the reason we, we need to go back. We need to look at it and learn from it. Listen to this in your notes. Deuteronomy 11.2. Remember what you have learned, oh boy, that's a good one, about the Lord through your experiences with him. I mean, it's right there, black and white. As I said, if you don't remember, God has to take you there again, and that can be painful. In your notes again, listen to this, Psalms 119.33, and it's a good prayer to pray. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay on course, so I don't wander around. Teach me the lessons for living so I can get through this with the minimum amount of time. Somebody say amen. So the W is write it down. You're going to remember that. What was the W for? I can't hear you. One more time. All right, the A, right there. Okay, the A is, W-A, A is act as though I already have it. Act as though I already have it. That's the attitude that we need to have. When you're believing God for something, you need to act as though you already have it. You say, your scripture for that? I'm going to show you scripture for that, okay? This is called faith. Everybody say faith. When you have deposited a seed, a seed of finances, a seed of talent, a seed of service, a seed of energy, a seed of, uh, uh, of uh, reputation, whatever it may be, you, you've sown a seed. You, you've done a good deed, okay? When you, when, when, when you have a need and you've planted a seed, and what you're doing while you're waiting for that seed to grow, you act as though you already have it. In other words, you know, you know, you're not sitting around wringing your hands and stuff like that. That shows me that you don't have faith in that. That's like the guy that's praying for rain, you know. Uh, there's a, a drought in the town, and the pastor said, we need to pray for rain. This is important. And, and they gathered their day to pray, and he said, you know, I can look out and see uh, there's only one person here that has faith. And somebody said, well, pastor, what do you mean? We have faith that's going to rain. They said, well, you didn't bring an umbrella. See, some of the things that we do, it speaks to us of what we are, you know, where our heart says, if you believe that, say amen. So you act as though you already have it. We typically, when we're in the waiting room of God in the wilderness of life, we wonder, okay? We wonder, we worry, and we whine, okay? First, we wonder, why, Lord? Why, Lord? Why am I here? We wonder. And then we worry, how, Lord? How, Lord? How are we going to do this? And then we whine. When, Lord? When, Lord? When are you going to answer my prayers? So that's what we do. We wonder, we worry, and we whine, okay? So instead of wondering and worrying and whining, you need to learn to act as though you already have what you've prayed for. You say, show me a scripture on that. I'm glad you you asked me to show you a scripture because I'm going to show you one, okay? Mark eleven twenty four. 24, I think it's in your notes there this morning. Jesus said, everybody say Jesus said. Jesus said. 
This is words of red. Jesus said words of red. Okay, so you need to understand. When Jesus said something, it's important. So listen to this. Jesus said, I tell you, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, I want you to pay attention to this verse very carefully because it says, believe that you sh- believe that you have it, you have received it, and it will be yours. Believe that you receive it, and it will be yours. Now, think about this. Do you notice the change in the tense there? Believe that you have it. That's in the past tense. Past tense, believe that you receive it. Then it says, it will be yours. It's talking about future tense. And you're saying, what does that mean, Pastor? What in the world does that mean? I'm glad you asked that. Believe that I've already got it in order that I get it. That's exactly what he's saying. Let me say it again. You say, here's what he's saying. Believe. Everybody say believe. Believe Believe that I already got it in order that I can get it. That's exactly what he's saying. Okay. You say, are you telling me that I got to believe something uh, so as though I have it? it? It isn't in order that it becomes so. Let me say that again. Are you telling me that I've got to believe something is so, even though it isn't in order that it is so? Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's called faith. It's called faith. Everybody say faith. Wow. I want you to write this down. Waiting is not passivity. It's not, you know. Waiting, there's an active thing in waiting. Because you're waiting as though you're you're acting as though you have what you have believed God for. You know, it's not a passive thing. You do all you can do to get ready, okay? But then God, yes, God has to move. Yes, God will do that. But you're, you're knowing he's going to do that. You're acting as though it's already done. That's where your heart is. There's a difference between passively, passively waiting in fear and apathy and expectantly waiting in God's waiting room, and you're believing God for God to do something. If you believe that, say amen. You get prepared. You act as though you already have it. Now, you say, you got an illustration on that? Yeah, let me give you one. God does this. Did you know that God goes to Abraham 25 years before he has a son, and he changes his name? He says, no more, you know, that you're Abram. I'm going to change your name to Abraham. And Abraham says, well, what does Abraham mean? And Abraham means a father of many nations. So for 25 years, Abram, he changes his name, and he's called Abraham. And how do you like this? You know, he goes into Taco Bell. And someone says, what's your name? He said, my name is Father of Many Nations. They said, that's great. How many kids do you have? He said, none. He said, how old are you? 100. Interesting. (laughs) How would you like to live like that? How would you like to live like that? It's like, man, there's something wrong with you. You're 100 years old. You say you're a father of many nations. You don't have any kids. You're saying that. But how many of you know if God said it, it's going to be so? Look at the verse. The Bible says in Romans 4, 17, write it down if you need to. God calls things that are not as though they were. God calls things that are not as though they were. That's called faith, okay? Everything God created, he spoke into existence. He calls things that are not as though they were. Now, he says, Abraham, you're the father of a great nation, Now, he didn't have any kids yet. He's speaking into existence. He's speaking futuristically. Let let, let me explore this a little bit. 
You know, he, he says to Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. Somebody that was standing there and heard God say that, they'd say, well, he ain't a mighty man of valor. You don't know that man. He's a coward. He runs every time. He runs and hides over here. But God says, you are a mighty man of valor. That's what God says. And I'm going to say something to you this morning. When God's looking at you, he says good things about you. Come on, somebody. He sees the potential in you. He sees you after his hand. A blessing is up on your life. He says to Peter, you are a rock. <laughs> Mr. Impulsive. Mr. Put your foot in the mouth, Peter. You know what I'm saying? You know, Mr. Uh, you know, cut your ear off if you say something wrong or look at him wrong. Come on, somebody. That Peter, that guy I'm talking about that always has something to say real quickly. But, you know, you know and at the, at the time, he was anything but a rock. But God said he's a rock. And he said, really? He's a rock. Okay, he's a rock. God speaks into his existence, and he says it that way. He says, I have made you the father of a, of, of, of a great nation, many nations. So we act as we already have it. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. You begin to believe. If you are praying and you're asking God for something, you need to begin to act as though you already have it. Amen. You're not wringing your hands. You're not pulling your hair out. Come on, somebody. But you're believing God. You're acting as though you already have it. So W-A and then the I. The I is imitate the habits that grow strong faith. Imitate the habits that grow strong faith. Well, how do we do that? I need to imitate the habits of other people. And I need to look in the Bible. I need to imitate their habits. You, you may imitate people of strong faith and, and look at the habits that they do. You need to look at their skills. You need to look at their patterns. You need to look at their habits. You need to look at, and you begin to follow them. You imitate that to grow strong faith. Let me tell you something. If somebody doesn't have strong faith, you don't need to be following them. Somebody say amen. You don't need to be listening to them. When you're in God's waiting room and you're believing God for something, you know, you know, go around someone that has strong faith, someone that's believing God and trusting God just like you are, and you need to imitate what they're doing. If you believe that, say amen. Let me give you some scripture on that. In 1 Peter 1, 6, and 7, you know, we need to use the time while in the waiting room to develop personal maturity in our lives. How do we do that? 1 Peter 1, 6, and 7. We do not want you to become lazy. Oh, boy, that's a powerful word there. Everybody say lazy. But to imitate those who through faith and patience, that's waiting through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Folks, everything that God promises, there's an if on the end of it. If you believe that, say amen. God says, I'll do this if you'll do that. So in the waiting room of God, we understand who God is. We, uh, we learn from God. We listen to God. And God teaches us stuff in that waiting room. He says that there's a kind of people that you ought to be imitating when you're in the waiting room. We don't want you to be around lazy people. We don't want to be around someone that's twiddling their thumbs, so to speak, or wringing their hands or whatever, but they're doing something else. Oh, my. I tell you what, you need to be around someone that's getting in the Word of God. Somebody say amen. Someone that's memorizing Scripture. Someone that's reading God's Word. Don't sit around passively doing nothing. He says to imitate those through faith and patience Inherit what God has promised. Oh, I like that. 
And Paul says it like this. Look at Philippians 4.9. I think it's in your notes. If not, turn to Philippians 4.9. Listen to this. Paul says this. Keep on putting into practice all you learn from me and heard from me and saw me doing. That's called imitation. You imitate what somebody else is doing. Let me tell you something. You begin to follow someone that's very successful. Let me tell you something. If you want to be a biz- in business, how many of you know you wouldn't follow someone that had a, a failed business? Somebody say amen. You'd follow someone that was successful. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to cross the T's, dot the I's. They knew how to, to do things in the right way. You would follow them. So in the same way that we do the same way in our faith with God, we need to imitate those and begin to, you know, uh, and, and that's what Paul is saying here. Look at Hebrews thirteen seven. Turn there if it's not in your notes. You know, when you're going through a period of waiting, you should look around and find a stronger Christian, a stronger woman, a godly man, and see what they're doing, and you just need to imitate their faith. Look at Hebrews thirteen seven and other places. It says, imitate their faith, imitate their faith. We all learn best by model. Somebody say amen. I got to see something. When I see something, I say, what does that look like? What does that look like? How, how can I do this? And when I see the model, it's like, hey, I can do that. I can do that. And then you begin to put it into practice in your life. Waiting is not inactivity. Somebody say amen. When you're in the waiting room of God, it doesn't mean that you're not, you're inactive. It doesn't mean that you're not, it's not, uh, not idleness. It's not laziness, it's not passivity, it's not apathy, it's not none of those things. But it's a faith thing when you're doing it right, and you're doing it the way God wants you to do it. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Waiting is the time to develop habits and skills that you're going to use later on. Let me say that again. Waiting is the time to develop habits and skills that you're going to use later on. In other words, you're learning something. I'm going to put this into practice in my life, okay? That's what you're doing, okay? So don't, don't put your life on hold. That's not what you're doing, okay? But instead, you imitate the habits that grow strong faith. And here's how you do it. You say, well, what are those habits? I'm glad you asked that question. I'm going to give them to you. Number one, keep on praying. Write that down. Keep on praying. Now, I'm going to give you some scripture here. Matthew 7, 7. It says, when you're in the waiting room, keep on praying. Here's what it says. It's very simple. I'm going to be short on these, Okay. It speaks for itself. It says, keep on, help me out, asking. Keep on, help me out. Keep on, and it will be given you that ask. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be what? So, you you, you know, it's not a passive thing that you're doing. But you're in the way, you're praying, but at the same time, let me tell you, how many of you know the Bible says watch and pray? Somebody say amen. So when you're going down the road, let me tell you something, you watch the road, you still be praying to God, but you watch that road. Come on, somebody. You're also watching what God may be doing. You're watching what God may be doing, okay? In the Greek here, it's a continuation. It's a continuing verb. It says keep on doing, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And you will get the answer that you're praying for. See, this is faith. It goes into faith where you, you know, it's like some people just, you know, just give up. You know, they, 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 they haven't got what they've seen they're going to get, so they give up. You, you, you know, you've got to keep on praying. Number two, as a matter of fact, let me just say this. I, I, I want to give a little bit of a, a commercial here. You know, uh, this coming week is going to be powerful 
with Wes Dothenbaugh this coming Tuesday and Wednesday services. There's going to be revival services. And folks, I'll tell you, it's going to be deeper life. We've been talking about miracles. We've been talking about, you know, deeper life. You need to be in these services because they're going to be powerful, okay? The following week, everybody say the following week. The following week, how many of you uh, have, have seen the uh, movie uh, waiting room. Let me see your waiting. Uh, uh, war room. I'm sorry. War room. I said waiting. I got waiting on the mic. War room. How many of you have seen war room? Okay. How many of you say it was great? Was it great, Bob? Oh, my. I, I tell you, I had my handkerchief out wiping it. I think one of the best Christian movies I've ever seen. I, I'd encourage you to go see it. And I tell you what, take a hanky with you and take one for your wife, too. Come on, somebody. We were both sitting there just wiping away like, wow. Well, we're, they have a, we, they, ha, they have it ready and we have it ready for you we've already ordered it and everything uh, a way of teaching that to the people in the churches and we're going to get we're going to get put some feet on that come on somebody we'll put some legs on that in our church to see God answer some prayer number two keep on serving Romans twelve eleven. never be lazy in your work but serve the Lord enthusiastically this sharpens your skills now what does the ministry look like it is serving you see, Jesus washed feet, okay? He said, I come not to be ministered to, but I come to minister. That's what a minister is. A minister is someone that serves other people. That's what I am, a minister. I'm a minister of the gospel. I serve others. That's what we do, okay? That's what we do. So it's, it's a part of serving. And the word wait, everybody say wait. How many of you will probably go out to a restaurant to eat today? Let me see your hand. I know several of you are. I, okay, about a half of us you know, will go out to eat today. Uh, our day is pretty busy, and most of the time we do because we've got so much on the agenda. But how many of you know you'll either have, if you're going to a restaurant, there'll either be a waiter or a waitress? Hello? What does the waiter do? He serves. What does the waitress do? She serves. Do you get that? So, you know, it's serving. When you're waiting on God... You're serving God. Come on, somebody. You're serving. You're in that way of serving God in that, in that you're serving there. So keep on praying. Keep on serving. Number three, keep on. Now, I, wanna, I may have to give you a little bit more of this uh, on this particular point than, than the others. Keep on going to a small group. You say, what's a small group, Pastor? How many of you went to a Sunday school or Bible study this morning? Let me see your hand. All right, that's a small group. How many of you come out on Wednesday night when we do Bible study? Let me see your hand. That's a small group, okay? And, and, and there's others that, that, that in the church that, that's on different nights or whatever it may be that, that, that you, a, a small group of people get together and they begin to talk about the Bible. Or that's, that's a small group. So Hebrews 10.25 says, don't give up your habit of meeting together, okay, and when you're coming together. Now, let, let me just say this. There, there's two ways that you could do that. There's two ways you do that. We come together in celebration at a time like this. And, we come to, and, and you're hearing me preaching up here, but how many of you know that there's probably some of you might have questions that I don't, you know, have time to stop and answer at the time. Somebody say amen. But in a small group, that's what we do. We just stop and we, answer, you know, we feel the questions. We find out where you are. And, and didn't Dan Agney do a great job this past week? Let's give Dan a hand. What a great job Dan did. Wow. Powerful. And one of our elders teaching and, and, and we try to do that to help you to understand. Everybody say, understand, understand. What, what you are hearing because you're hearing something. And you don't, sometimes we don't know exactly what that looks like 
or if we're not putting it into practice in our lives. Folks, let me tell you something. If you're only hearing something, it's not enough. It's not enough to hear the word, but you've got to be, help me out, doer of the word. And to be a doer of the word, you've got to understand the word. If you believe that, say amen. Number, the last one there. Oh, no, no, it's two more. Keep on sowing. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says this. Keep on sowing your seed, for you will never know which one will grow. Perhaps they all will. Now, notice this. You will never receive a harvest until you plant a seed. A farmer knows. How many of you know these farmers out here that you see bringing in their crops now? They're right now bringing in all the crops, you know. You know, there was a lot of work that was done way back here in the spring before they ever got the harvest. Somebody say amen. They did a lot of work. They put a lot of seed out to get what they've got. So you will never receive a harvest unless you plant a seed. So what's lacking in your life? Say, Pastor, I have some financial needs. Well, plant a seed. Help me out. Give and it shall be given unto you. That's what the Bible says. Plant a seed. Plant a seed. Believe God. You know, these, these guys that you hear, Old Roberts, whoever it was, they didn't come up with that. They found it in the Bible. They just begin to practice it, and things begin to work. They begin to see it. It's the way God does things. Given it shall be. Help me out. Given unto you. And this is the way God says. Friends, I don't have no friends. What do you need to do if you want friends? Show yourself friendly. You know, I don't come up and say, Joe, I want you to be my friend. I would say, man, really? Why are you putting your back to me for, yeah? I'd say, hey, Joe, can we be friends? That's been my friend for many years right here. My brother from another mother. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Joe's been my friend. This family's been my friend. I, man, they've heard the good, the bad, and the ugly here. And they've said all, amen to all of it. <laughs> Give them a hand, would you? Matter of fact, this Sunday... We have, this is our 38th year that we have completed as pastor of Open Bible Christian. 38 years. 38 years. We've had 24 ministers come through this church. Some of you, many of you know my son, Pastor, and out in Brookville, uh, Brian Ellers, who used to pastor up in, in uh, the Clayton area. He's, he's now working as another area of ministry, but uh, all over. I, I just talked to Jerry and Mel down in, they pastor a church down in uh, uh, Cincinnati area, and I just, there was a member there, that someone was looking for a church, and I, I said, go to this church, this is a good church, I, you know, I, I uh, you know, mentored this couple, they, they'll be a blessing to you, but it's just, uh, somebody said, how in the world can you stay at a church for 38 years, I don't understand that, you got to love the people, somebody say amen, amen. and uh, how many of you know God still loves you, God still loves me? And, you know, so that's the way it is. All right. Keep on believing. 2 Timothy 3.14. You must keep on believing the things you have been taught. You know that they are true. Now, the point here is to stay active. Everybody say stay active. Say it again. Say it one more time. Stay active. Okay. That's important. That's the big point is waiting is not passivity. Okay. God cannot steer a parked car. You know, when, when, you start, when you start as they went, you know, by faith, God began to bless. God began to open doors. God began to shine the light. 
Walk as in the light, you know, if we walk as in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. But we begin to walk in this thing. You've got to talk in this thing. You've got to, you know, you, you, you begin to go. How many of you know when you begin to go, God will go with you? So we've got to be active and stay active. Turn on the ignition and, 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 and start driving, and, and God will help you to get to your destination. Somebody say amen. All right, let me get the last one in. Number four, last point, the T, W-A-I-T. Write the T down. Trust God instead of panicking. Trust God instead of panicking. Now, there's a couple of facts that you can trust God about. One, how many of you would agree that God is never in a hurry? Ever seen somebody that's kind of in a hurry, you know, a little fidgety or whatever it is, in a hurry, you know? Well, God's never that way. God's never in a hurry, okay? Number two, God's never late. Somebody say amen. Now, you know that's true for sure, okay? So what happens in those times where it appears that God is late, okay? In, In the times where it appears that God is late, God is getting you ready for a miracle. I'm going to show you something here. This is important. I want to give you some examples in the Scripture. For instance, how many of you know Martha and Mary had a brother by the name of Lazarus? The Bible says that he was a friend of Jesus, okay? He was a, everybody say a friend of Jesus. Now, this guy was a friend of Jesus. Now, one of his personal friends. Everybody say personal friends. Now, obviously, as a Scripture would teach and commentaries would say, that Jesus went to this house many times, had many meals with Martha and Mary, and, and, and he liked being there with his friends. Lazarus, okay, all right? Now, Lazarus was one of the one's best friends, but he become deathly sick. They sent a messenger to go tell Jesus. He wasn't far away, okay? He wasn't far away. He could have got there because he was sick, and he was deathly sick. You need to get here. And Jesus didn't get there, and Lazarus died. Bethany was just a few miles from where Jesus was, and Jesus and Lazarus was deathly ill. Now, it takes... You know, it, it took Jesus three days to get five miles. How many of you know he could have got there if he wanted to get there on time? We're talking about timing, okay? Now, what's going on here? It was in the waiting room experience that resulted in a miracle. So sometimes, folks, I just want you to know, if there's a situation that you think, oh, not my, it's past, God can't do that. How many of you know if Jesus can resurrect a dead body, he can resurrect your prayer? If he can do that for Lazarus, he can do it for you. Somebody say amen. Now, you need, I, want you to, I want you to be cognizant of this. Now, Dan read the scripture at the opening of the service, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while, at the right time, everybody say the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. But here's the condition. If we don't get discouraged and give up. If we don't get discouraged and give up. See, some of you might be on the verge of a miracle right now. And, and, and there's some things that's happening. God wants to do thus and so. And it hasn't come to fruition yet. Let me tell you something. God hasn't forgot about you. And if you're in the waiting room of God, keep waiting. Come on, somebody. Let me give you another scripture. Last scripture this morning. Psalms 56.3. Even when I am afraid, I keep on trusting you. Even when I'm afraid, I keep on trusting you. Now, listen, some of you have been thinking, I'm going, you know, you know I, I, I'm going to wait for the fear to go away, and then I'll make a commitment to God. Let me tell you something, the fear is not going to go away. But in the midst of that fear, let me tell you something, we're talking about reality of life, 
that happens in our lives, that fear is always going to be tugging at your mind and your heart. If you believe that, say amen. Now, God doesn't take the fear away. But let me tell you something. It's up to you. <laughs> we overcome fear by our faith that we have in God. Amen. We overcome the fear that we have in our faith in God. Well, our fear has to rise up to the place when it overpowers the fear in our life. Somebody say amen. amen. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, love power, power, sound mind. So if God hasn't given us a fear, who's giving it to us? The enemy. So if you're having these fears, realize it's coming from the enemy, and he's not going to give up because he doesn't want you to proceed forward because God's going to give you that miracle that you need. You're going to step into that place where you receive that, what you need from God, and the enemy is going to throw everything he possibly can. And let me tell you something. The biggest enemy that, the biggest, I'd say, tool that he has of the enemy that uses against us is fear. The unknown. What's, what that could be. Folks, you need to reverse it. Somebody say amen. You need to act in faith. You sow that seed and you wait on God. Then, 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 then. Everybody say then. Amen. Then you will be successful. Then will your dreams come to fruition. You know, God's not going to take the fear away. God may not move instantly, but let me tell you something. God will move. I believe it. Come on, somebody. I believe you can trust God in the waiting room of life. And wherever you are right now, some of you are thinking, man, you've got my number this morning. You know exactly. No, the Holy Spirit does. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, let the Holy Spirit flow through me to come to you. The only way that you're going to get that fear to, re, to go away, to move, is to move against it. You must move through it. You must move around it. You must move, you know. And may, as a matter of fact, there might be, it might be a mountain of fear. How many of you know you need to speak to the mountain of fear? In the name of Jesus, I command you to go away. Somebody say amen. amen. And you begin to speak the name of Jesus. I command you to go away in the name of Jesus. Even when I'm afraid, I keep on trusting. So the wait is this. The W is to write it down. The A is to act as though you already have it. The I is to imitate the habits of those that have strong faith. And the T is to trust God. How many of you are ready to wait on God? Somebody say amen. I, I, I hope I've just said something this morning that will help you to get you over the finish line. I think some of you are so close. I think God is wanting to do some things in your life, and, and you're on the very edge and the verge of just receiving what God has for you, that breakthrough that God has for you. Uh, some of you have been dreaming about dreams. Come on, somebody. Don't let the dream die, but keep pushing forward. Somebody say amen. amen. I, I think one of the greatest illustrations we could use for the 21st century as Martin Luther King Jr. And he said, I have a dream. Everybody say, you had a dream. I have a dream. And you know what? He didn't let the dream die. There's a lot of people that try to put him down in that dream. A lot of people says it's not going to happen. There was, you know, I'm going to tell you something. There was a lot that was coming against him, but he kept saying, I have a dream, I have a dream. And folks, it moved a whole nation. Can you say amen? And not many years 
you know, and, and, and X number of years passed. And if you'd have told somebody in the 60s or 70s that would have been an African-American that would have been president, they probably wouldn't have believed you. Can I be truthful this morning? They wouldn't have believed that. But he's he, twice, <laughs> twice elected. And right now, there's a, a, one, one of the second front runners in the Republican Party on the other it is an African-American, Ben Carson. Everybody say, I have a dream. So I don't know what your dream is. Let me tell you something. You can dream. You can dream it. You can believe it. God can do it. Somebody say amen. He's looking for those that have faith in him and trust in him.